Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family. So welcome back everyone to another edition of the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. Apologies, it's been a while, uh, been a very busy period for myself and I uh, Glenn as well, but uh, Glenn, welcome back. Cheers mate, I'm really looking forward to it, I've missed it as well. We was in we was in the rhythm there, weren't we, getting them in? Yeah, we're in the rhythm, it's difficult, summer's our summer's busiest time of year, obviously I do a lot of stuff in the off-season with pro players, stuff here and a bit, bit abroad. Also launched my new uh, level two course I'm excited about. Check it out, guys, if you want to, mypersonalfootballcoach.com. Go to coaching and courses. Also got a 20% discount code, level two podcast. You can get 20% off my new level two course. It's like, uh, it's really like in detail, breaks down 1v1 tactics, ball mastery, the core skills, session design. So if you're interested in, in coaching and learn a bit more about ball mastery and 1v1, check out that new level two course. I'll put it in the description. But yeah, so release that and uh, been doing a bits and pieces, which is sort of ties in this a bit. With uh, Crawley Town as well, which is good with Dan Machichi and Kevin Betsy, who've just taken over there and invited me down, which has been interesting doing a lot of the individual stuff with some, you know, seasoned pros and then, you know, League Two pros and stuff like that. So that's been a really good challenge. Brilliant. Well, um, in, term, in terms of in terms of this conversation we're about to have so about pre-season, that's a great point to start with, isn't it? In terms of everyone will see on the television, whether it's Crawley Town or it's Pep Guardiola at Man City, or it's Antonio Conte the other night with them superstar footballers chucking up on the side of the pitch in in Seoul in them in, in incredible temperatures out there in, in South Korea. Um, it's important that we talk about that, the senior end, if you're running a senior team, what does yeah. pre-season look like? And actually, what does it look like just with kids on a grassroots pitch as well, though, just your one or two training sessions a week? Do you know what I mean? Because the last thing the last thing we, you want and anyone wants is that, that old school mentality of no pain, no gain with kids and run till you're sick or whatever else it's like, do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not good for... Yeah, anybody. and also, and also, yes, yeah, true, isn't it? I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like, let's talk about the, you know, first team level and then, you know, back, you know, junior football. But that's what I was thinking as well, because as soon as I asked a couple of my clients, so Flo Balogun, who plays for Arsenal, you know, really bright young prospect, I was asking him about pre-season. He said, it's interesting, they do all technical work. So they might do three, they might do triple sessions, but triple technical sessions... So everything's ball related, you know what I mean? And they're pre-season. And when I asked another one of my my uh, my clients who also plays Premier League, I won't mention the team, but he said it's just all running, very old school. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It gets beasted and stuff like that. So it's interesting, isn't it? Even at that highest level, like we say, you saw the Conte the other day, it's about 42 laps of that pitch, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and that heat in soul, and that's yeah. <clears throat> beasting. So, I mean, you know, you know, even at the highest level, we still have different approaches and stuff like that, you know, in terms of, the best way to to get it. What about yourself? Does so you work in you know that college program? You have got young, some young men there. How do you approach preseason? The biggest thing that we have to consider, and I'm sure, well, yeah, all college coaches, colleagues of mine at work have been working a long time as well. The biggest thing you have to factor in, so and I've been doing the college stuff for about 12, 13 years now, alongside academy football and other bits I do. But the, the college stuff's interesting because you're obviously working with. PDP, professional development phase, age players. So they're going from that transition of youth football to men's football. And everyone knows how difficult that is at academy level, but it's it's just as incredibly demanding or probably more so because they haven't got the multidisciplinary support team around them full time. You know, we've got a physio we can offer. We, got, um, we give them sports science advice and nutrition, but a lot of it is about them individually and being independent. But what we have to consider, so, and I didn't do it at first when I started these colleges 12, 13 years, you know, we was pretty much, no, this is our pre-season, let's go into it. It's all about us and the college. 
But actually, you've got to factor into it. So I'll give you an example. We've got a 16-year-old young man there, young lad, he's 16, scoring tons of goals, got about nearly 50 goals last year. <laughs> he's stepping up and he's tr- training a pre-season with a step-free non-league team at 16 with the men's first team. So he's jumping straight into the deep end with 27, 28-year-olds. Now, I know I need to factor into my pre-season. When this young lad's in our training, I've got to look at his physical demands and how much output. Do you know what I mean? And it'd be a case of, okay, listen, you're training with your men's team tonight. We're going to go really low intensity, but you're going to do a session. You're going to do double sessions today, but we're going to focus on your technical stuff. Let's get you in the penalty box and let's work a bit more on your finishing and refine it. So actually, when you're doing a college, you have to consider what other football they're doing as well, mate. Do you know what I mean? Are they playing at the weekends? Are they stepping into men's football, which you know what semi-pro men's football is going to be like? Or, or some of them are going on trials at clubs as well, like Cat 1, Cat 2, Cat 3 clubs. So actually, you have to consider in the, their whole programme alongside your college stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because they have their Saturday and Sunday teams as well. So that's the biggest thing I consider, to be honest, it's different to if you've got your own team. Yeah, I think it's like that multidisciplinary approach, isn't it? Obviously, you know, the higher you go, the more you get at that. So, for example, you know, when I was working last year with the Arsenals in the 18s and the 23s, you know, you know, the, you know, You'd have the physio come up and tell you players, certain players are coming back and, you know, they're loading issues. Maybe they can work at 70% today or 8% or that sort of thing. Same, do you know what I mean? Um, you know, stuff I'm doing at Crawley as well. Like I did a session on Saturday and a couple of the guys come back from injury research that first session. It was like, just watch these guys. So it's like you've got to sort of taper your session in terms of those individuals. It's really sort of, you know, you'd like say that individual approach in terms of trying to be specific. It's quite challenging, isn't it, as well, if you can write yeah. Sometimes I say, well, you can do whatever you like, but that player can only do this certain amount or that player can that's that certain amount. So it's really tricky. But I'm understanding, like, you know, what in terms of, like, you know, the, the physical outputs, how do you approach that when you're doing the stuff for the college program? I mean, ter- in terms of, like, the running and, you know, what, what sort of things are you looking for and what sort of practices are you putting on to, you know, to get these boys ready for, for the football season? Yeah, so in terms of, I, I, I'm still big on it. So in terms of, I just never neglect the ball and I'm very, very rarely do any isolated running. Or if there is isolated running, it will be a box to box, but it's a breakaway with the ball still or box box and it's a race to finish off. So there'll always be something football specific. I just, it's not that I'm against it. I can see why people would do it, but I believe especially with the college players. So when the winter, so my opinion is, look, your success of your pre-season is determined by May the 5th or May the 20th. Let's see where we are at the end of the scene. So you always almost need to plan backwards. And so I think to myself, so we go really, really heavy on the technical and the tactical because it's sunny, it's nice weather. If you ever wanted to work on a couple of little creative set plays, for example, and say, you know what, we're going to have a couple of little clever set plays because you're in a professional development phase. You've got to learn how to play the set play game. Um, you don't want to be doing that in December when it's, do you know what I mean, when it's a bit of cold and you've got boys standing around and demotivate yeah. them. So... I get all the running stuff in terms of building their fitness levels incorporated into the football practice. The stuff that like we were talking before, so with the session design, make the pitch a bit bigger, then start to shrink it maybe as you get on towards the last three or four weeks of pre-season with your short, sharp kind of SAQ uh, specific stuff. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, I'm i obsessed with the ball, mate, as always. Technical and tactical go really, really heavy on it. I mean, any sort of practices in particular that, you know, stick out for you that, you know, coach could use or look into thinking about me and what's what are the you know intended outcomes you're trying to get there I mean because I get this a lot when players I'm working with they go oh what are you doing you know and they'll say oh I'm going for a job you know three times a week or so we actually know you need to vary it you know it's not just about your you know aerobic capacity obviously anaerobic you know is really the key to know that in football isn't it that that sprint and that recovery stuff so how how do you balance those you know those aspects of your your training program so 
for example, a really good, it's a go-to one of mine. I really like it. And I, and I actually learned it when I was a young player through our school coach. He was a basketball coach. And it's the old three-man weave where you've got one in the middle, you've got two either side, just play, overlap, play, overlap. And, you know, you can get into the nitty-gritty details of that about can you play one touch on the move? Can you get it in front of the player? Don't choke at his feet. Make sure you're getting really aggressive overlapping. on. So just by setting up a three-man weave, Saul, and you go from goal to goal, let's say halfway line to, to one goal, and they, and they do it in so ratios, one to four. And then to make it a bit more demanding, you go, okay, you've all done that. Maybe let's say it's five sets. Um, so you've done five runs. Now you've got to run and recover and then rest. So you've got to run half the length doing your three-man weave. That triggers, as soon as you put the ball in the goal, that triggers the next three off. But we've got a little five or 10-yard head start on you. And then these three now are recovering. So actually you're getting your defensive recovery runs and they don't normally get there because they've got a five or 10 yard head start. Yeah. But it's about developing that attitude to run. How close can you get to them? Can, can you force a mistake with your pressure? Is the goalie going to make a save and you might get a little spillage on a rebound? So you, you start, you're getting a physical working. It's highly demanding. You're getting a competitive element, but then you're getting your tactical as well. Do you know what I mean? You've got your attacking, you've got your transition to defend. So that's just an example. And again, so sometimes you might say, okay, now we're going to chuck a number nine in there. And now you get your build-up or link-up play. And you might, you might get your number nine having to run one way and then maybe start from an offside position. So he's got to work hard to get onside. It's, there's so many variables to it, but you kind of just, you have to link the physical with the technical, technical and tactical, in my opinion. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think you made a good point there as well about that competitive one as well. And it's like, you know, it's like make it a race. Like say, can you catch them? And that, in that, in that in, you know, that intense, adds a bit of intensity, the competitive cauldrons we've talked about before, right? Yeah. So you say, you know, you, you two are like, you know, like almost like, you know, like say dribbling races, can you get down there, rip it in and come back? Sort of, you know, working in, in, working against the situation, isn't it? So what what how do you what you how do you measure any measurables there? How do you measure in terms of how fit your players are in terms of like your level? Obviously, maybe a little bit more restricted in terms of budgets and stuff like that. In terms of you know how you, you know we all see you know, in pro game everyone you now they're wearing stat sports monitors and really measuring how much their players they run. I mean, what can what can other people do if they don't necessarily have all of that equipment and that funding? I I think just in general, so it's just my opinion. Up, you know, I sometimes sound a bit like I'm anti technology and science, but I'm really not. But the more you leave to the computer and the vest, the less I believe we're using our skills. So like in any coaching session, it doesn't matter if it's pre-season, post-season, mid-season, it doesn't matter. When you're coaching, we've got to be, so these are two things. It's not sensible and responsible. It's sense-able. And what I mean by sense-able is watch, watch your players. Watch when they finish the run out on their haunches after two runs. And then tomorrow, he's not on his haunches after two runs. There's, clearly progress you know mm. watch when they're running are they really gritting their teeth and can you really see that effort because you can see it there's no hiding place do you know what i mean or or is there a lad at the back that's let his two mates run hard and he's just coasting mm. you can observe this stuff so can you see it can you hear it can can you feel it i, I, I you know i'm i like to get right in in amongst it do you know what i mean so and i like to pick it up myself with a team of coaches and you know can you see someone cheating at the back of the line or, or not quite getting to the line on them runs, them little two yards that make all the difference? And then once you're sensory like that and you can start to see and feel it and the atmosphere and a competitive edge, like you said, then you've got to be response-able as well. So the lad at the back, right, don't need a vest to tell me that he's not running. I don't need to come out. I, I would know that the, the lad at the front and the one that's a bit more puffed in the face and you just not get to know them, I know he's run more. I couldn't tell you the distance, but he's definitely run more. If he hasn't run more, he's definitely worked beyond his best or at his best. Mm. You've been coasting. And then the way you deal with that, do you know what I mean? Then that's the coaching, isn't it? How do we interfere with it? How do we 
get that little coaster at the back to, to to push himself and ignite him to do more. But yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of being overly dependent on the festival because they sometimes tell a different story as well, though, don't they? So sometimes people well, are just aimlessly running around building yeah, up, funny building up um, meters. <laughs> you know, Keenan Bennett, obviously, talking who was at Spurs and we were mm. there. So I've done some stuff with him pre, you know, off season, spread pre season, and he was talking about in Germany they're really massive on the, you know, blood test, checking the blood test to check, you know, your fatigue rate and stuff like that. But he said it's that's a problem because he knew his body, and they were saying actually no, you're more run down when he was. He said actually no, I can go further, I can go more. So he's having this battle, and I suppose that's when you know technology, you have this battle with technology, and he was actually no, I know my body, I know what that reading is, but I can actually go. It's just it's just in that sort of thought when you said that, you know, he sort of battles against that because he says actually no, I, I you know. I'm physically better than that suggests from that from that blood test. That's interesting. But Scully, so let's move along in, into like junior football. You know, so what the you know uh, things I see. I was I was going to do see, suggest we do stuff about preseason and do warm ups in one, but I'll probably just leave warm ups for another day. But in terms of preseason, my one of my big bear bugbears, even when I see you know sessions, it's like coaches just doing laps with players. You know, eight, nine, ten, eleven year olds just doing laps. It's just what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Running lap, even if it is a warm up or pre season, just like don't they understand, you know, what I mean, that a bit more sort of awareness about you know, you know, uh, child development in terms of their yeah. you know, their uh, anaerobic systems haven't developed yet, they develop yet as they get into the teen, until the teenage years. Don't bother doing a running, do that's where you really do have to do everything with the ball because one, you know, you get more technical outcomes, and two, you're wasting time because actually, you know, you're not really developing them, are you? So, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, and let's be honest. Like I, I do this with the college boys again, so as well, because I say college boys in terms of because it's still grassroots in terms of they're still semi-pro. They're not an elite. Yes, they're aspiring to push on, but it's still it's a semi-pro kind of level. And I try and say to them, and, and I'll say to all coaches as well, the stuff that they could probably do in their own time anyway, like going for an extra run or doing. If you've got a lad or a girl that needs to do a little bit of extra core work, who's 15, 16, they've got to get a bit stronger. You know, set that for them in their own time. Don't like be doing it on the side of the pitch or don't do laps because there's one thing as well, so and, and, and again, post lockdown and in this hot weather, let's not steal these kids summer. Let's not make it, do you know what I mean? You know what it's like. Anyone that's played semi-pro football at men's level, yes, there's a buzz. Everyone, there's a wonderful thing about um, pre-season. There's a buzz, there's an energy, there's an excitement of this newness, new targets, new goals. Oh, we're going to get promoted this year. I'm going to get signed or whatever, right? But then there's also, if it's dreaded running club, you used to have that dread. You turn, oh, we're just running for four weeks. We ain't going to see the ball. Just please don't do that to kids. Do you know what I mean? It's just keep it the same as it always is. Keep it fun. Keep it technical. Keep it with the stuff you was usually doing. But like you said, their systems are not even developed like men yet anyway. So you don't have to really have as as, as much as a, a periodization in terms of we're doing this, this, this. Just just keep coaching them and developing yep. better yeah, players. So let's like focus on the foundation phase first, first then. You know what I mean? Serious as that. And it's so like, you know, you've got your... You give, you give your boys or girls a couple of weeks off. You've got, you've got your, your season starts. Maybe you've got a week together or do intensive. What sort of stuff are you doing? And like, you know, I always say, first of all, like, look, do you know what I mean? Think about, you You know, when you first get the players in, whether it's your preseason or a warm-up, do you know what I mean? Everything's ball-related, you know, do your warm-up with a ball. Remember, you know, pre-pubescent, you know, kids don't need to do, you know, a, a structured real warm-up there because, you know, they're more pliable. Anyway, you might do some dynamics to as a good habit, get it in but the yeah. same thing i see like players you know they get i saw a session somewhere the other day and you know you had five six seven year olds doing static stretching as a you know in the warm-up without just you know just doing like you know so what are you doing do you know what i mean goodness me do you know what i mean it's like yeah so have a bit of better understanding about what you need to do with the young players you know you don't you know no one does static stretching anyway before session at any level do more dynamics if you want to do dynamics fair enough do it within your ball-based warm-up but you know that's more of a habit building thing 
or you know, you just at Tottenham in terms of getting a bit more mobility. But just please don't do like any running without a ball and do any static stretches or anything like that. Or don't worry about those physical outcomes in your pre-season. Like you say, just make it fun, lots of game-based stuff. Do your ball master your 1v1 and, and have and have fun. Is that right, do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. And I would say in the in the foundation phase, if you're working with six to eleven year olds, you can keep it more generic in terms of there's not much growth yet in terms of difference as you go into the the, the YDP. So if you're working with six to eleven, keep it more generic in terms of like we're doing all of our core skills or technical work or whatever you want to call it. And guys, we're really working on one v ones this week, and then we're going to work on two v twos. And so you can you can set like a, a preseason cycle or, or whatever six week period. But again, keep it technical and tactical. Keep it about them developing and mastering the ball and mastering the game and understanding the game and learning basic, not, not over tactical, but basic concepts of little 1v1 tactics and like, like on your on your courses, some really good stuff as well. So when little 2v2 tactics, okay, mm. when do we pass? When do I go solo? Little overload tactics. So if you get all that stuff in during pre-season, then your players are going to be ready to play football for the rest of the year. And again, just going back to senior men's football, um, Pep Guardiola was a brilliant interview the other day where he came out and said, no, 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 we, we don't do much physical work. We do a lot of technical and tactical because for the next 10 months, we're preparing in this little five, six week period for 10 months of a game every three days. So if we've got a game every three days for the next 10 months, where do you expect me to get all this working? They're going to be doing recovery. They're going to be handed over to the sports science team. It's going to be low intensity stuff. But, but with kids, it can just be football all year round. Do you know what I mean? Just keep it the same as what you're going to do. Just start as you mean to go on. I'd say the biggest thing is, Saul, is what we said a minute ago, is about the atmosphere. Make it the most enjoyable place possible in pre-season. Forget all this rubbish about people nicking players and recruitment, because I can't stand all that recruitment stuff in grassroots anyway. Make it a fun and enjoyable place. And if the kids are coming back, you've had a really good pre-season. Do you know what I mean? And if you can see signs of learning and stuff. So let's not forget about the atmosphere and the environment that you're creating as well. Make it an enjoyable summer. Yeah, I think it's important as well, because like you said, you could have a six-week sort of, you know, um, schedule what you want to do. You know, if you want to stuff, do stuff like playing at the back, playing through the thirds, you know, start the attack, you know, build, build the attack, start the attack, finish the attack, you know, as the FA terms are. That's fair enough. But then I suppose it's how you do it, isn't it, to get really efficient technical outcomes. Like you say, you know, you, you couldn't do... You know, you can do playing at the back, doing like a 4v4, so, I mean, a 3v3, you have the principles mm. of that, you know, I mean, a little bit of balance, rotation, stretching the pitch, height, width, depth, that sort of thing, doing your little 4v4 games rather than having to do a big 7v7 or good, like a 9v9 and like stop, stand, still, stand, do you know what I mean? So be yeah. creative and be brave with your sessions and do it and, you know, you want to do like a rondos and stuff like that, use that as an opportunity to do your, you know, your basics of playing at the back and that sort of thing, your side triangles and that sort of thing, rather than doing it, right, you know, like... Oh yeah, you know you got your you under nines here. You got stat like stop stand still. You know you're doing your you know your twenty minute diatribe in the middle of like trying to play a certain way. So it's just about being that in that flexible, isn't it? Being right. I trust the players. It might take a bit longer, but I know I'm going to get a bit more fun and enjoyment, technical development out of it, and then yeah. try and try and get those those outcomes in smaller sort of side of games. It's interesting you said about the four v four game. So I remember going back about fifteen years now. It's probably season two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I was working at Millwall Lionesses with with a, a good mentor of mine at the time, Jim Hicks, and we designed our whole whole preseason on a kind of four v four. We done loads of small sided games and technical work, and yeah, we had the physical work in there, like we had you know just like normal circuit stuff with some weights and barbells and whatever, because you know they're senior women footballers and had to physically develop. But I remember we done a whole preseason on four v four games, but then again, like we was talking about earlier, and you can do this with kids, you play four v four, but if you want them to run 
20 meters, you know, we just stretched the pitches. So we made bigger pitches, different outcomes. If yeah. it was the fullbacks, we would set up a game where you're attacking the outside areas more. Do you know what I mean? Restrict the pitch or put constraints, put mini goals. And, and, you know, we had a really good season. We come runners up in the league, just missed out to Charlton in the end in promotion. But in terms of being prepared for the season, they was definitely physical and football ready because of the technical and tactical element. So yeah, whether you're doing it with, I think you could, that's the kind of concept you could do across, across if you, if you get it, get it right as well, to be fair, not just with the kids. Yeah. And like I say, then it's, you know, the, the, the ambition of your coach really has got to be there. I want to be, have the, the funnest, most exciting session, you know, pre-season as possible while making, you know, while making getting those technical and tactical outcomes. I suppose then the question is how, you know, tactical do you get, particularly when you work in the foundation phase, right? Yeah, definitely. And again, that, that word fun and enjoyable, I think it's more about in, in, enjoyment. So when you go into the academy environment at Foundation Face, so enjoyment for kids that are at that level is competition. They enjoy it. They enjoy being pushed by the coach. They enjoy the intensity. Um, you might have little Joe Bloggs in your grassroots team that take it a bit easy on him. Do you know what I mean? He's not as good as little Billy over there in the corner who's probably close to an academy. So it's about finding out what is enjoyable for the kids. Do you know what I mean? When are they being pushed? When aren't they? And it's not necessarily always fun because sometimes for sometimes football's not fun. So if we're doing two V1s and I'm really struggling on my final pass and I'm just having a stinker of a night, it's not going to be fun for me. But the, the learning that can take place and the way we deal with it, again, going back to this stuff about being responsible as a coach and how to manage that, there can still be a level of enjoyment within that session. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes as well, so, you know, especially if it's hot, because um, I'm going to be ready to adapt to our coaching during the summer with the college boys, but especially with these hot days. Sometimes you have to go, do you know what? We're just going to do a hell of a lot of football tennis today because it's mm. too hot or whatever. I don't know. You might have to find a little shaded space and do more really low intensity stuff. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes just go with a fun session, just a random completing a, a, a session on game. So it is about fun and enjoyment because it's, you know, you know when you get that feeling. So when well, we're, it's Groundhog Day here, we've kind of, we're three weeks into this and it seems like everyone's a bit demotivated. Sometimes be willing to do that and go off task as well, just to to reignite the group, mate. What about? I mean, it's a good point. That isn't it? environmental factors, like you say, you know, in England, particularly, you know, in Western Europe, you know, the West generally, you know, your pre-season is in summer months, so it is hot, isn't it? Yeah. Conditionally, it's, it's a challenge, so it's about adapting that. What about? I remember, like, um, I've been at some clubs where we used to do like, you know, pre-season council all day. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And just I felt like it was just it just dragged. And especially with heat or not, it's just I felt like I much sort of preferred the shorter, sharper burst. Do you know what I mean? Doing your, you know, doing an hour and a half, two hour session, absolutely annihilate it rather than doing, you know, you know, your half day or all day ones. Or you might do a bit of classroom as well. But you just find, you know, for me, like, you know, as the day drags on, you know, the, the quality or the intensity is not as, is not as, do you know what I mean? It's not as high or not as, as good. Whereas, you know, maybe, be, maybe let's go in, let's just smash it out, do two hours of just absolutely going for it. Do you know what I mean? Get those quality outcomes. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So again, if it's a grassroots team and they're only going to train twice a week or whatever, if, if everyone's available in the daytime, maybe if you wanted to do double sessions, why not do an early morning one? Just do a little eight, eight till 10 or nine to 11, whatever. Just do a couple of hours of just maybe games, 3v3s, 4 whatever yeah. you want to do. And then say, right, guys, today we're going to double sessions. If Obviously, if everyone's available, it's really difficult. But we're going to come back and tonight is going to be purely technical work. We're going to have a real fun technical clinic for an hour. We're going to work on our first touch and receiving again. So there's so many ways to do it. But me personally, so I can talk about our college program. So we've kind of took them off of the pitch on a couple of days this week because a lot of them are involved in senior football. We kind of go... 
really push them on the pitch physically and tactically and technically on a Monday. Tuesday, we're going to go up the college and use the facilities there because we've also got to integrate them into the college well. Do you know what I mean? Get used to access to the gym. We're going to do a little bit of futsal in the hall to break it up as well. Um, we'll do some classroom stuff on nutrition, you know, goal setting, because it's always good to get that goal setting and stuff like that. And then we'll, we'll have games on a Wednesday and then Thursday will be a bit on the pitch, but more technical recovery day knowing that a lot of them are going to train Thursday evening as well and then Friday again we'll get back into the college just to just to give them variety as well do you know what I mean you don't want to have we don't have the same lunch every day do we because it gets a bit boring doesn't it and I think you, it, you've got to have different stuff on the menu from as well just to keep it interesting and engaging I think what about like you know because that's you know in terms of if you have got a week if you're lucky enough to have a week where you're in an academy or for example you run your own camps and they get, you know, what, what would be the ideal? We're talking about foundation phase, younger players here. Mm. So, I mean, would you do like, you know, would you do a three hour each day, you know, two hours each day? And how do you break that up? You know, would you do try and do the classroom stuff and how much te technical, how much tactical work? Um, I'd go maximum night. If you're going to do a long day, so if it is like one of them where players you play kind of summer camping or a parent's stand with you, I would make sure there's a break in between. Like you said, it gets really laborious. Do your little hour or so, hour and a bit in the morning. Go inside. If you've got like an inside hall, some of these things are done at schools or big campuses, aren't they? Go in a hall and then again, just do stuff inside. And and whether it's whether you're going to go in and do some informal learning inside and just talk about football and just generally socialise and let the group build the bars and do indoor games or whatever, and then and then come back out in the afternoon. But again, so I wouldn't veer away from the usual stuff, your technical stuff, whatever it is you want to do. Maybe let's say Monday to Friday. Monday you might work on receiving. Tuesday you want to cover all the technical bases. Um, Tuesday it might be about retaining the ball. Let's see who the good dribblers are. Let's see how much we can develop their one v one work. Thursday might be purely let's say focus on ball striking. All right, who's really good at ball striking, passing, crossing, finishing, whatever. Um, Thursday, you might say it's games day. Guys, we're going to have lots of competitions. We're going to have a 3v3 festival in the morning. We're going to turn that into a 6v6 in the afternoon. And then Friday, I don't know, like the traditional stuff at these camps, you finish with like a tournament, didn't you, mate, to spice it up? Like mm. 7v7, get a trophy at the end of it, make it really competitive um, and enjoyable. Reward some certain stuff like trainer of the week, the usual stuff, player of the week. Um, and again, but that's no set way. But again, they're just getting they're getting different technical stuff as well. So you're, you're hitting different technical areas. Do you know what I mean? What about like then? You know, you got YDP players. You got your 12 to 16 year olds. Are you approaching that any differently than you would do with the foundation phase? I think you'd really have to really consider the physical element, didn't you? So as we know, we spoke quite a bit about when when them Bambies are going through that growth and they're all, they're just biomechanically really unbalanced, a lot of them, aren't they? Or there could be massive physical differences. So you get a little 12-year-old who's standing next to a 13-year-old. So it's only about six months or nine months or a year older, but they're, they're built like a 15-year-old. So you have to really consider the, the physical elements. But again, I wouldn't change anything else in terms of the generic philosophy. If you've got a technical philosophy, if you've got, an idea of a way you're going to play football and you believe in developing children, stick to that generically. There's no, don't compromise your football stuff. But in terms of meeting their individual needs from a physical point of view, I think you've you've got to always consider, consider the physical elements in terms of physical difference. Um, sometimes if it's like a soccer camp as well, it's mixed because you can still mix girls at 11s and 12. Sometimes boys and girls and physical difference in terms of height and size and how you how you get them together but also in terms of have they just gone through a growth do you know what i mean if it's a player you've previously been working with, you know he shot up three inches well 
don't do too much too much running and or just just manage what you do do you know what i mean but i'd say definitely focus a bit more on the physical element at, at their yeah, age and so in terms of physical though i mean you know when are you running them more i mean that's the same thing i've been there so they you know they you know you get your 15s and 16s and then the question is that then how much you know physical loading you're doing so the suggestion would be you know obviously just yeah you could do that if you want to concentrate more but make sure like you say doing your small-sided games make the spaces a bit bigger you know, I mean, sort of that sort of thing and tack it that way rather than saying, oh, then now let's just go, you can do figure of eights or, you know, box to box sort of runs as a 15 or 16 year old. Yeah, yeah. And just and just develop that organically. Don't, don't try and manufacture it because at the end of the day, 15 and 16 year olds. So if if they're developing, if I think a girl's is between four and 14, their systems, their anaerobic and everything develops and a boy's might be between, don't quote me unless I'm not an expert on this, but six to 16. And then both of them, Adults, boys and girls, don't really get their full anaerobic capacity until 20, until full-grown adulthood. But So if that is a natural thing, then obviously at 15, 16, you can put more running demand. So like maybe you do more box-to-box rather than little 20-meter stuff. Do you know what I mean? But that would be organically. But again, I personally wouldn't so much change the practice just the physical demands on it yeah. just in terms of and also I mean? you're saying you're not like you know with your everything's game related ball related you know still doing your ball related stuff still technical outcomes everything's with the ball if possible and you're still and then you're going to get those physical outcomes as well definitely one part we haven't spoken a lot about salt which is massive in pre-season it really does separate the uh, the strong-minded is, is the mindset stuff so i think when jürgen klopp talks about James Milner being top of all the running every preseason for the last seven years or Conte pushing his players to breaking point. I don't think that's just a physical test, is it? I think the objective there is who's mentally the toughest here? Who who can cope? When we say do 20, who's doing 25? When we say the target's 42, who broke down at 30? And because, you know, you know, you know, anyone that's done any kind of running in terms of endurance or pushing yourself, that's the beautiful thing of endurance sport, isn't it? Which is quite terrifying mm. to me, but it's that mental edge. When your legs are telling you to stop, how much more can you go? And I think when they get to 15, 16 tall, and they're on the edges of that kind of scholarship age or stepping into the professional development phase, um, it is about the psychological demands and you will be focusing a lot more on what can they cope with? Like, mm. like what, what mental fortitude, what resilience and stuff have, have we got here as well? So I think you have to con- consider that in your plan. Yeah, that's well. a really good point, isn't it? And that's the question is when do you introduce that? When do you, I mean, because we always talk about academy football wanting to challenge players and, you know, give them a bit of adversity and stuff like that. But that's quite specific, isn't it? It's quite direct. I don't want to say brutal, but that's reality, <laughs> isn't it? So like, yeah. that's, that's when they like say 15, 16, they're going for their scholar, their full time. So that's when you can crank it up. But then, you know, then the argument is that would you do that in grassroots? Is that is that is it still the same environment, or because it's not an elite environment, would you would you need to, or maybe there's softer ways to introduce that? Well, I think it's something you should always have in your coaching. But like we said before about a competitive cauldron with a one v one game and stuff, I think it's something that you stoke up because sometimes there's people talk about resilience just in a psychological thing, but I think there's a technical resilience. I mean, you know, like you set a kid a target of kickups, for example, go with really easy kickups. Can you do 20 kickups? Just watch him foul. So you've got a minute to do it. Watch him foul, not quite get there. Oh, you've got 19, right. so close. Yeah, 42 laps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be brutal. No, but do you know what I mean? And then you think, okay, it's kind of set him a choice. Well, you have another go if you want, if not. And the kid that has another go and you have to drag him away from the ball when you say, can you run the other? Can you run the other end of the pitch in 10 seconds? No? All right, fine. You can try again if you want. See if he tries again. If you give him the option to do it or not, there's, 
I just think there's always chances to put in them tests. You can yeah. put little tests, you know what I mean? mean? From a technical point of view as well. well Wister at Chelsea also finished with a, like a weak foot penalty competition in the under nines, right? Which was great because in terms of peer pressure, it was like, right. And then you see, oh, he's done it. Or, he's, you know, I'm putting it wide. They come back next week. They are better. You know, they don't want to lose or they don't want to see that one. You know what I mean? So it's a little subtle way to challenge them. Obviously, you want to try and see who responds, but you know, and obviously, one of the better round cups they get better with a weaker foot. But it's that competitive cauldron again. They challenge him. Oh, he's won. I can strike the ball well. And unbelievable. Like in terms of like how you know the level of ball striking with their weak foot improved dramatically quickly because they said, "I'm I'm not going to finish last there. I don't want to go out that first round." And you know, yeah. that's it. And that's just I mean, it's a much softer, you know, lower level one. But it's the same thing, isn't it? It's your your challenging. It's like, hang on, you know, this is an environment here. You know, if you haven't, if you're not. You know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit fun, you know, a bit of banter, you know, mm. but you don't want to finish last year. You want to, we will celebrate the people working hard in their weak foot. And it's the same thing, isn't it? I suppose that you Absolutely. just, as you get older, then you crank up a little bit and you can be a little bit more brutal in inverted commas, but saying, you know, because it is such a competitive, competitive world. Yeah. And I think as well, so as well, in, in a world where, if I'm honest, uh, and I'm saying this, maybe targeted more at 16 to 19 year olds, when you've got to give them some harsh realities, but even with young kids, They've already got a lot of excuses made for them. You're to this, you're to that. Oh, it's not your fault. Poor you. And maybe it's gone a little bit overload on mental health and this and that, if I'm honest. And I'm very sensitive to it. And I'm saying that from coming from a background with members of my family that have, have, have really, really had lifelong suffering with mental illness, right? Because I'm compassionate to it. But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, how is resilience created and developed? Mm. It's not by every time it gets a little bit tough, we... we, we put a bit of cotton wool around them or we adjust the goal to make it easier. So we dumb down GCSEs or we dumb down things or, or we change the accepted attendance from 95% to 90% before we'll hang on a minute. Do I understand what commitment is or not? Are we going to teach them values about commitment? So we've got to push them. We've got to push all kids. We've got to find their limits. And again, that's the skill of the coach, isn't it, mate? Whether it's a grassroots kid with, a, I don't know, I'm going to paint a picture you've got one lad who's an elite athlete. He's a, a club and he's, he's the lad. And then you've got another lad that, look, I don't know, he's a little bit overweight. He's at that awkward age in the foundation phase where kids put on a little bit of weight before they shoot up. He's a little bit awkward. You can still push him to his limits. If his name's John, don't push him to Joe's limits, mm. to John's limits, but push him to his limits. Because if you're going to help him through his growth and you're going to help him shed a few pounds or whatever it is, I just use the weight thing because it's easy visually to see. Do you know what I mean? But push him to their limits. Kids like mm. being pushed. If you find their limits and they break and there's a few tears, well, I'll coach them now build them back up, you know, get them back on course and, and, you know, let them know why you're doing it and, and, and you're trying to get the best out of them. Do you know what I mean? So I think you've yeah. always got to be pushing people to their limits. So I think I'm still waiting for that growth spurt, by the way. Anyway, it's another story. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what about like in terms of like tactically, you know, we're winding up soon. Someone's to that, you know, you're 12 to 16, you're older players. How do you balance that pre-season? Obviously, you know, 11 side football's different as we know is the spaces are bigger, but they need help, don't they? So, how do you approach that in terms of, you know, what weight are you doing, technical, tactical? How do you approach the, like, you know, the positional stuff, you know, in terms of, you know, how you wanted to play and stuff like that? You know, how, how, how can you be creative in there in terms of still making it fun and high intensity, but you still want to make sure, you know, they, they understand, you know, the, the principles or enough possession and how they wanted to play as well? Yeah, I, I just think that's a skill. And I know uh, Thomas Tuchel was talking about it a lot. And again, it's, it's something, a concept that you can relate to young kids as well is um, they don't really, you don't really coach or work in isolation in terms of the technical, physical, you put it all in, like we're going to coach everything, everything's yeah. going to come out. And I think, I think that's key as well. I think 
like you say, let's say we're doing three V twos. You can you can focus on the physical. So if they're not running properly or they're not running tactically correct in terms of where you want them to run, pick up on it. There's a physical element there. You've got to run harder. If you want to get a goal, you've got to run harder to break that end line. Can you put a bit more in your legs? If it's a technical thing, so the same practice, same moment. Well, hang on a minute. Your mate's running hard. That's a poor pass. You choked it at his feet. Can you slide it in front of him? Look at that gap behind the defender. Slip it in behind. So there's a technical detail. And the tactical thing might be, hang on a minute, you've looked for that pass. He's occupied the player. You've got a little 1v1 there. But if you look this side, you've got a 2v1. So it's not a 3v2 no more. Refuse that pass. Go with a 2v1. So instead of trying to force a pass there, he's took the man out for you. You've got a 2v1. Can you tactically now go and exploit the 2v1? So in the same moment, you've you've touched upon either a physical, technical or tactical. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, and also, yeah, and I think as well, the big thing is well, just like, like, I think it's the same principles when you work with nines and tens, elevens, you know, do it in your small side of games. You know, if, so, if, you know, if you're doing like a little possession practice, 4v4 plus one to targets or something, I always love those little games because you can literally get your, you're playing out from the back, you're playing through the middle, your, your you know, final third stuff and breakout stuff like that. You can talk about your principles in there in Definitely. terms of how you want to play, sort of height, width, depth, and, you know, maybe have little channels to overlap and runs, combination play. And then at the end, you know, when you're playing a game, it's like, I just want to try and resist. You know, I don't want to, you know, even with 12, 13, 14 miles, I want to try and resist stepping in and talking too much. Do you know what I mean? Be very sort of, like we talked about it before, didn't we, in terms of like, you know, in, interaction with players, communications, like try not to be like, okay, start play here, do it. Just let the let it do it fluidly. It might take a little bit more time, but just have your same principles. Like you know, yeah, look, if we're playing out from the back, we want to, you know, we want to one player overload that sort of thing. Just talk about that, your side triangles, whatever like that, and just keep having those principles and all your little practices, your rondos, your possession targets, and even your small side games. Yeah. And then when you get to the big game, yeah, okay, look, talk it. You know, don't try and don't be that coach who just wants to just talk all the time and take over and be about not be about you but just like oh i want to get everything in straight away i want to overload these kids these children with information because yeah. i want to play like what i want to play like guardiola do you know what i mean you know it's like i remember when i, I, done, I done my b license about 15 years ago the, the tutor at the time john drabble said something that really stuck with me and i've kept it with me he went glenn You've given me a free course meal there when all it needed was a bread and butter roll. <laughs> and I thought, and honestly, so it was fantastic. It made me go and thinking for about a week and I was reflecting for a long time. And, and, he, and he was right because I, I felt like I had all this knowledge. And that's the thing with coaches in general. Like when you go for an assessment, you feel like you've got to get it all in and whatever. Mm. And sometimes maybe if you've got so much enthusiasm, but you've only got your grassroots team for a couple of hours a week, you probably want to get so much in. But what I would say is, and, and I'm finding this out with a one-to-one stuff that we do with my personal football coach as well, so is... Use videos as well, guys. Use. Don't forget you can coach when you're not coaching on the pitch. So have you got like a little learning group, like at the college, we've got Microsoft Teams. Have you got a platform where obviously within the safeguarding regulations with a parent on the platform, not the player and whatever else, your usual stuff. Can you share information? Is there other stuff you can tell them rather than like you said, be like diatribe, have to stop it in the session. Is there stuff that you can follow up your session with? Just a little clip of an Iniesta. So if you was working on receiving, say, here guys, there's a little 30 second clip of Iniesta. This is how he received on the back foot to go past the player and eliminate the player. Let's work on that concept. And then, do you know what I mean? We, we, we can coach away from the pitch as well. Such is the amazing technology. Mm. I'm learning myself as well with this mentoring kids around the world. The, the significant difference it's making with them, Saul, by actually, it, you haven't got to be on the pitch to be saying the right messages. And you haven't, if you can get them sending videos of you or you've got your team, some grassroots teams have got VO, and you can say, hey guys, this is what we mean by playing out from the back. Look how, look how these two players, look how the five and six really split apart well. 
and we played our way out in two or three passes. So you can get some of the stuff in during the week, like from session to session, do you know what I mean? Via WhatsApp groups or whatever, just, just share it with parents. I think I think that's a key to coaching. You can probably get a, a foot up on other teams and, and accelerate, really accelerate their development as well, so if I'm honest. Yeah, because essentially, because like with the introduction of stuff like VO and stuff like that, you know, um, that analysis has become quite a, you know, standard thing in, you know, even grassroots football, isn't it? So, so that's the last thing to say. So how much... Now, if I've got my pre-season, like you said, is that off the, how much stuff are you doing off the grass? Do you know what I mean? How mm. do you do you, like you said, and that's, you know, you're doing the mentoring with my personal football coach. We talked, you know, I'll put a bit more of that in the comments if you're interested about that. You can drop us an email at, and my personal football coach, Glenn, does individual stuff. But you like, you, you utilize that really well in terms of that, you know, that that video footage, isn't it? So like, mod, like finding something which you could model in, like, you know, an individual sort of player, but you could do team as well. Like, you know, getting like screenshots. Sure. This is, look, these guys had their plan up for the back. This is exactly what we're trying to do. And then, you know, like you say, utilise it, you utilise players, in, you know, trying to get them work independently, aren't you? You want to get them to become independent learners, you know, students of the game, you know, inverted commas, you know, but that sort of thing. So I think that's 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 the, cha- I think that's been a huge change, isn't it, last few years, isn't it? The, not only in academy football, but even grassroots football, the utilisation of, Absolutely. you know, analysis and video and, and the stuff we're doing off the grass. I remember when I first started, it's like, you, know, you sneer and say, "Why would you go in a classroom and stuff like that?" You know, but you know, and there is a place for that. Obviously, I prefer stuff on the grass, and you should be mm. on the grass as much as possible. But now, it's, you know, it's that's how you try to integrate that as a grassroots coach, isn't it? Into your into your preseason, it could be like you know, say, you do an hour and a half on the grass, have a bit of a break, maybe do a bit of a classroom session, a short, or sharp, man, not too much, because obviously attention spans. Go back on the grass, and maybe the homework is right. Can you go and you know look at this video and look at the you know how these guys are playing out from the back or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, finishing the attack and look at these rotations or whatever, depending on what level you're working at. Definitely. So you're taking it from content there. So you would have gone and done some content on the pitch and, oh, brilliant. We worked on playing out from the back all week or this one session, whatever. And then all you're doing is, okay, guys, just to give it a bit more context, look at this and you might share a clip, like I said, of a Xavi or a Barcelona from the back or I don't know, you might be playing into the nine. So so show, if you're working on playing into the nine and he's hold up play like Lewandowski, you might show more Tony Pulis videos. Whatever it is, wh- whatever concept you're trying to teach them, can you follow it up with maybe a little video or, and but again, I would say just keep individualizing it as much as possible. Because let's be honest, if I don't think there's enough individual tactical analysis anyway. I know some of the top, top clubs are doing it, but if your individuals improve, and they're doing their job, then it all takes care of itself. Do you know what I mean? In terms of you would give them feedback relative to the players around them anyway as well. Do you know what I mean? You won't just say, yeah, play it into the number nine when the number nine's not there. You, if, he, if he played into the nine and the nine weren't there to hold it up, say, hang on a minute, did you look? He's made a run in behind. So instead of feet, you might have played it to space. So mm. you kind of, you end up connecting the dots of all the little 1v1s anyway. Do, do, do you know what I mean? But definitely, my opinion on this whole technology saw is, my daughter, for example, she's 14 now and this whole TikTok and whatever else and we manage it and I've got a, you know, parent control on my phone and stuff. And we had a good conversation the other night. So when I said, look, you're going to be on your phone, it's fine, but I think you're wasting time on your phone. So these kids are going to be on their phone. Let's be honest. They're going to spend screen time. We have to embrace it. We can't be dinosaurs and go, no phones, no laptops. It's 1975. It's not. We have this incredible capacity to improve our players with this technology. I think we need to embrace it. But instead of them going home and just aimlessly going on social networking, if we give them little bits of homework, which actually is quite enjoyable watching football clips, let's be honest. It's not like it's not like we're giving them geography homework or history homework. Yeah. You're just you're just okay. You want to look on your phone? 
okay, go and do this for 10 minutes. It's a little five-minute clip or here's a little compilation on YouTube that's nine minutes long of the best midfielders in the world working on the midfield work we've been talking to you about. So you're almost just channeling in their, their learning energy or you're extending their, 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 their learning habits. Do you, do you know what I mean? I think you have to embrace the technology in that, in that sense, I think. Absolutely. On that note, mate, Glenn, thanks very much, mate. It's been top. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. So I was rambling on a bit there, but no, I missed it. top, mate. And listen, guys, <laughs> if you're interested more, like Glenn mentioned there, with, that my personal football coach does mentoring with players all around the world, some online mentoring. They can, if you want to email us, team at mypersonalfootballcoach.com. You can find a bit more about Glenn's mentoring. And like I said, my level two course is now live. Uh, go to mypersonalfootballcoach.com, coaches and courses. And the 20% discount code is level two uh, podcast. But listen, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it all. And we'll see you next week back with another show. Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family.